0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hi, this is Charlotte Abbate. Emily
0: Ballou. And Samantha, Omaris and Dejas.
1: And welcome to Young, Scrappy, and Hungry. Hey, guys. What's going welcome on? Welcome back.
0: <laughs>
1: welcome back. Welcome.
0: Hello. <laughs>
1: How's everyone doing? How are
0: we all feeling? It's that time of the semester. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of the year, girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Honestly.
2: Welcome back to our show, Today, we're going to be talking about connectivity. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm. That is awesome. correct. <laughs> awesome. So with that being said, let's go ahead and start with Act 1, resources. So we've compiled a couple of resources for this episode uh, regarding connectivity. Uh, so I can go ahead and start with some of the resources I brought. So one of them... Is from the Harvard Business Review.
1: And it's how to
0: network when there is no networking events. So it just talks about how um, there are still ways to keep in contact um, with everyone and also get to know people during this time. So there's um, turning canceled conferences or events into like private networking opportunities. So you can go through the list of uh, people who were planning to go and just send them an email or uh, try to connect with with their company as much as possible in a respective way, of course, and uh, to rethink also geographic boundaries. So um, just like even with this, I mean, Charlotte and Emily are in the East Coast. Yeah, in the East Coast. Yeah. I'm in Central Texas. So To really um take advantage of that as much as possible and then the other resource that i have is from serendipity acting studio and they have a section called why theater question mark and while i was reading it it um made me really think about that advice that i've gotten before and like also when you're networking and connecting with people um it's not so much just like oh i'm networking and getting to know all these people just for the sake of a career these are people that you're going to have a relationship with whether no matter what that may be so reading it really made me think of that it really made me think of the importance of being an educator the importance of being a student the importance of being a theater maker and what that makes me also as a human being so all in all <laughs> every person that you're meeting with um you're not just meeting on like a one-on-one basis just for the sake of your career these will be people that you might have a connection with outside of just what like job you're about to embark on yeah
1: um totally agree I'll go <laughs> next because one of my resources has similar vibes um my first resource is just a um an article from a website called com, like inc inc um and it's called for the introverts out there 10 tips for becoming a better networker um i consider myself as more of an extroverted introvert but you know still applies um still still was helpful to me these are like in this article there's it's really basic tips that you would reading them at a first glance you'd think like oh obviously like the first one is just relax and get rid of the pressure but like These are things that, like, again, you say, oh, whatever, yeah, of course, but, like, you really, really, really need to think about and do, um, and going off of what Samantha was saying, um, this article also talks about, um, uh, not worrying, um, what you're gonna get out of the contact, like, don't think about, um, making connections just um, for the sake of making a connection, and for the sake of your career, like these are people who you want to have a relationship with other than what can I get out of this person? Um, well, obviously, like that's something that should be a-, a thought in your head. Like, how can this person help me? How can I help them? Um, that shouldn't be the only thought that you're um, you're thinking through when, um, making connections. So those are just like some snippets from the article. I won't, I won't spoil everything. Um, but the other, uh, resource that I had is actually a book, um, and it is called Never Eat Alone. Um, and it's by Keith Ferrazzi. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know, but, um, it's basically just a book, um, talk this this guy Keith talks about his experiences um, with networking and where I got him and he just like kind of outlines a lot of really useful information and steps and advice um, for um good things to do when you're networking um, I definitely recommend it I read it a couple years ago um, and I found it very helpful and then the last thing that I did want to mention this is not like a specific resource Um But one thing that you guys should use as a resource is, um, especially if you're a student or like a recent um, graduate, use your alum networks. Um, Some schools may not have like a specific network for alumni. Um, Like, I know that's more of a big school thing, Um, but a lot of schools have specific networks for alumni to connect and um, get to know each other. And they're really helpful and very useful. Um, And if you don't have an alum network specifically for your school, I'd say LinkedIn is an incredible resource for doing that type of thing. It's called LinkedIn for a reason to make like linked up um, relationships and that type of thing. And you can go to your school's page on LinkedIn and look through the alumni. Um, So definitely recommend doing that and using those things as a resource. Emily. Emily. What about you? (laughs) Yeah. So the first resource I have
2: is truonline.org. And this is Theater Resources Unlimited. And it's a nonprofit organization that was created to help producers, emerging theater companies, um, young artists sort of breaking into the industry and figuring out how to work in the world of theater um, and how to emerge healthily. And it's this in sustainable ways as well. Um, Whether you're a self-producing artist or a career producer, that sort of thing. Um, And so this professional development, mentorship and networking organization offers both an opportunity to become a member of this whole cohort, but they also in recent weeks have started offering virtual Zoom events, um, which are really great sort of community gathering places uh, for people to connect and help each other navigate these times right now, um, they have a great email and newsletter. Um, There's a lot of different programs, and events on their website that I certainly urge you to check out. They have great sort of boot camp events um, and all all those great things. And it's a nice sort of way to meet other people in the industry and figure out what they're doing all across the country. The second resource idea I have, if you will, Facebook groups. Um, in my experience, I've seen that a lot of theater people really enjoy using Facebook, both to promote their own shows, their own work, just reach out to others about collaborating for work. Um, I'm a part of a few different ones. Um, and I found that very applicable both to sort of entering in the industry as my for myself, Um, but also finding other opportunities and just seeing what other people are doing and seeing what other virtual shows and virtual programming they're offering and sort of reaching out that way um, to hopefully possible collaborators in the future. And that's a really nice way to, one, be in these Facebook groups of people, but also to hit that friend request and say, hey, like I saw that you're doing this kind of program or this type of virtual Zoom show. This looks really cool. I'd be really interested in learning about more. Can you send me the link so I can watch it? That sort of thing. And then you sort of develop this rep with each other and it goes from there. And then kind of the sort of second half of that resource is just a Google Sheet or some sort of document that you can keep track of all these connections that you're making. Because a really big part about making these connections is keeping your connections and keeping them organized. So I have this Google Sheet that I have different sort of pages on of different people that I've sort of come into contact with for audition-wise, for different shows, for different creators, um, uh, people I've emailed asking questions about things. And sort of having this little database of my own to keep track of who, what, where, and when and you know how I know them <laughs> is very helpful instead of just somewhere in your contacts list on your phone or something.
1: Yeah, I, I also... Use a Google Sheet, definitely. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, And also, I was just going to add on to the Facebook thing. I feel like that's a really great way if you don't want to use LinkedIn. um, Because I feel like on Facebook, like, people kind of have their guard more down. Like, they're not like, oh, this person's, like, just looking for me to, like, make a connection for, like, career stuff. Like, that's a great way for people to just make a genuine connection without it having, again, to be surrounded – by what can I get out of this anyway uh that's all for our resources uh as always they will be linked in our description uh, of this episode and um so yeah check those out on to act two, the interview. (laughs) All right, so today we are joined by Natasha Davison. Natasha is a Drama Desk winning and Tony nominated producer with over 35 years experience in commercial entertainment, in producing, performing, choreography, and directing domestically and internationally. She is on the producing team for the Broadway and upcoming national tour of The Prom, which is directed and choreographed by Casey Nicola. The film adaptation of The Prom, starring Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, Carrie Washington, and Keen michael Key, will be released in late 2020. Natasha is also on the producing team for Halftime, directed and choreographed by Jerry Mitchell. With a passion for musical theater, dance, and storytelling, Natasha is especially focused on developing new musical theater narratives that shift paradigms for the representation of women and the underrepresented. As Artistic Director of New Musical Development for Texas Musical Theater Workshop, she has produced workshops on UT's campus such as Princesses by Sherry and Bill Steinkellner and David Zippel, ZM by Tony winner's Greg Kotis and Mark Holman, Giant Steps by Michael Dexter and Eric Weinberg directed by Tony winner Billy Porter, Midsummer Nights by Valerie Vigoda and Brendan Milburn, and Persuasion by Harold Ta and Chris Jeffries. Performing highlights include Cats on the national tour, Disney's Beauty and the Beast in the German premiere and cast album, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in the German premiere and cast album, and the MGM series Fame. Natasha is an award-winning television producer, having worked with WCVB-TV, WSB-TV, CNN, and the nationally syndicated magazine Health Beat with Dr. Timothy Johnson. She teaches the business of entertainment for the College of Fine Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, she's also a winner of two Austin Critics Tables Awards uh, for The Wild Party and The Drowsy Chaperone at the UT Austin um, Department of Theater and Dance. Welcome, Natasha.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Sorry for sending such a long bio.
1: <laughs> oh, God, no. I, I I would love people to know all the accolades because there are many and they're amazing.
3: <laughs> well, my career has certainly had twists and turns, and I think yes. that actually it's... Um, the kind of career that is really possible for a lot of people. You know, just because you start out in One Direction, which I did in television Mm -hmm. journalism and broadcast news, I pivoted uh, after some years uh, doing that because I'd always had a passion for Broadway. So I quit my job and ran (laughs) off to New York to be a dancer, uh, much to the chagrin of pretty much everyone in my life. But I
1: mean, that's, that's like kind of the dream. I love that.
3: Well, you know, I, I was uh, grew up at a time when you didn't have access to information. Mm-hmm. How do you get to Broadway? How do you get to New York? How do you become a dancer at one right. of those shows? Mm-hmm. The first Broadway uh, tour that I saw in my life was the musical MAME starring Angela mm-hmm. Lansbury and the mm-hmm. author. They were still in it. It was amazing. I was 12, wow. and I mm-hmm. just, I had fallen in love with that mm-hmm. genre of performing and just wore out the cast vinyl albums oh at the goodness. time. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't really know growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, how you even could, how do you do that? I, yeah. I didn't really know. And so I had always studied dance and singing and uh, was a ballerina. Mm. And so I had that background, which I kept up through my entire uh, young adult life. So I, I wasn't le- leaping into being a performer without any um, background. But I did have a, a moment where I had an option to pivot. I had been working in broadcast news for some seven years or so, and my career had really taken off in a very successful and exciting way. Mm-hmm. And I was offered a position to be an anchor woman, wow. to be groomed mm-hmm. at, a, at an owned and operated network anchors um, at a station in a small market. And they sort of groom you <clears throat> and they were looking to groom some young women, but you know, the the fact of the matter was that I was really still very drawn to this notion of, of Broadway and musicals. So I did not accept that position. Also not (laughs) much to the displeasure of a lot of people in my life, but no uh, regrets. I don't have any regrets (laughs) because at that time being an anchor woman, you're sort of a newsreader. You had to have big puffy hair and I don't know, (laughs) shoulder pads. And it just didn't appeal to me. I really wanted to, I was still in my late twenties and I wanted to give this dream that I'd had since I was 12 a shot. Absolutely. And uh, I knew I was
1: well-trained. Uh, so that's what I did. There you go. I love that. I mean, um, yeah, I, I can imagine that, like, it, it's obviously, like, kind of daunting. Um, and I know that, obviously, you had your background in um, television producing, but, you know, you did your time as a performer, and then, again, you pivoted, into theatrical producing. So kind of like, what was that, uh, process for that transition like as well?
3: Well, so I had been performing for about 15 years, uh, working pretty consistently, you know, my first big show was Cats. And then I did the television series Fame as a principal dancer. And then my husband was transferred to Germany, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. which was something that I was definitely not prepared for, but I did know that they, they loved musicals over there. And so I was working in, um, I did a lot of big musicals for a company called Stella, which is now stage um, entertainment. <clears throat> but when we came back to the U S we were living in Austin, Texas, and I had an outreach from the university of Texas to come teach musical theater, dance and jazz dance and choreograph their musicals, which I did for a number of years about seven Mm -hmm. years.
1: I was just going to ask how um, has the pandemic, you know, affected you in teaching your classes at UT? Because obviously it's insane. (laughs) Well,
3: you know, it's not ideal, but it has had its benefits. For example, I've been able to um, have people join our class that otherwise would never be able to do that. Right. because uh, the um, you know in terms of the budget to bring them to Austin and put them up and for them to have that kind of time available to participate
0: mm-hmm. and
3: so we've actually had a really interesting group of folks I teach a business of entertainment class at University of Texas which is an industry based class um, we have leaders in various sectors of the entertainment sphere that come in and talk about their um, their experiences their work working currently and uh, they tell the students about what they do and what the processes that are involved in um, their area. And Mm -hmm. it's super interesting. So we've had, um, there there have been some benefits, although in terms of being able to engage with the students live, uh, we're not able to do that, so.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I was gonna like on the topic of this week's episode um, connectivity and networking and that type of thing obviously that class I mean I took it and I loved it, it was one of my it was probably my favorite class that semester um, and um, obviously it's like a huge um, opportunity for students to make connections and um, talk to people in the industry was this like something that you really wanted to make sure was a part of your class?
3: Yes, I, in fact, uh, one of the things that I think is the, one of the biggest leaps to make for just about anyone, any student really, but especially if you're wanting to enter the entertainment business, is the leap from being a student to working in the industry. How, uh, so much of it's based on relationships. So how do you develop those relationships? And so my goal was not only for the students to hear about real world processes, real world numbers. Um, real world entertainment businesses, but also have an opportunity to engage with these individuals, uh, so that they could begin to develop relationships.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I know that I definitely took advantage of that throughout through your class. Like, I made connections with people from Broadway across America and the John Gore, and it it, it was an incredible opportunity for people to or for students to. Um, to just like connect and, um, make a a step in the right direction. And I'm like,
3: absolutely. And you know, I am so grateful for all for all of the people that come and engage with the students. It's really important. I also think that there's a bit of a, um, difficulty as well in understanding how things work. How do you know how to launch a Broadway show? Uh, as a student. It's very hard to access that kind of information, so we have people come in and talk about that, and you learn about the different kind of jobs that might be available, what kind of skill set you might need to be working on so that you can be a competitive candidate for positions on um, in a Broadway production or some of the businesses surrounding Broadway, as well as the film, television industry, and some of these other emerging entertainment entities that are super interesting yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I learned things in that class that I don't think I ever would have learned, um, otherwise, because like, you you just like, you don't necessarily get that like firsthand, um, experience and information otherwise. So I'm so grateful for that class. Well,
3: Well, I think it's something that certainly the University of Texas is, um, really hoping to build up Mm. especially for the College of Fine Arts students helping them take that next step yeah. I mean I don't see any reason why you have to take a valve of poverty to be um, to work in a creative industry you
0: exactly. don't
3: you just need to understand how to prepare yourself how to be competitive and um, you know what's involved
1: absolutely yeah I totally agree with that um, I was also going to ask like what this is kind of pivoting a little bit um, but what what do you think especially right now, obviously, like we're so disconnected from people and from theater um, so what do you think what what is your um, way to stay connected with um, your your profession, your passion um, right now that everything is so, Um, distanced and closed off and crazy?
3: Well, I think the interesting thing is that there are actually lots, there's lots of activities in different ways right now. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I'm working on a couple of digital series that uh, are in production and all of that is going really, really well. Um, Some of it uh, involves interviewing people and a lot of people are kind of available. (laughs) So I mean, really, uh, it's a terribly challenging time and uh for everyone in most industries and certainly in the live entertainment industry it's come to a complete standstill nearly but there are some interesting things happening and it is going to come back so there have been all kinds of ways to engage online you know events are still happening it's not as resonant as something that's happening live, but it's still super interesting. And it, in fact, you can almost participate in more events because you're not having to travel. Yeah, You don't actually have to get up and go somewhere. You just turn on the computer and uh, there you are. I've actually made some really wonderful connections through online engagement, new connections and oh. continue to nurture ones that I've had,
1: that I already had. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think it's like a, there's definitely like, um, what, what are the, what are the, I'm trying to think of what to say. <laughs> there's definitely a, um, a level of engagement that was definitely not possible before this because nothing or not nothing, but a lot of these things weren't virtually available. Um, mm-hmm. and I totally agree with that. There's, there, there's so much more that you can engage with, but it, it is like, it's hard because, you know, it's not in the same way. It's not in person. It's not. Um, To me, like theater is in-person engagement, and so I just find this time so difficult.
3: It is. It is. You know what? And I'm. Um. uh, Robin Roberts actually said something. She was very inspiring when she talked to my students a couple of weeks ago, and she just was talking about how she's just so proud of young people moving forward and doing what they can during this time. You know, the uh, virus. It's you can't negotiate with the virus. It it is what it is. And, uh, uh, you know, thankfully your generation and really mine never had any huge tumultuous major global events that we've had to deal with until now. You know, I think back to my grandmother who was a Russian immigrant to the United States. She lost her country. Mm -hmm. She lost her entire family. And, uh, so that, you know, incredible upheaval. So it's something new, for me, certainly, and I, and certainly for your generation, but I think we'll get through it. And, um, I think there've been a
1: lot of interesting things going on in the meantime. Yeah, I definitely, I, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. Obviously we heard the news, um, about the vaccine progress. So that's great. I'm very excited about that. Um, cautiously optimistic as everyone is saying, um, on, on the topic of, I mean, Obviously, again, theater is kind of in a huge flux right now because of the pandemic and everything going virtual. So I was wondering what is like a change that you really hope to see um, in theater once it's safe to be um, in person again?
3: Hmm, A change. Well, you know, I'm not on the inner circle of the Broadway League, so I'm not (laughs) sure exactly. Well, I am a member, but I'm not sure exactly what the plans are. Yeah, but certainly, Mm. yeah, I don't really know. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I, I I think I'm kind of going to wait and see um, what happens. I do think things will be different.
1: Yeah, you know, people uh,
3: are going to be more careful. I mean, I don't know that there's anything structurally, functionally that can be done to adjust the theaters in New York. You know, they're very small spaces, small combined Mm. spaces. Yeah. Um, I, we certainly think that the the road is going to open up before Broadway. But uh, I think I feel very confident that it will be back. Oh,
0: yeah. And we'll,
3: we'll get through this. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, know, you know, I, I do hope that Broadway continues to be a very robust industry. And we see lots of diversity. And as you know, I have a, a particular focus on bringing stories that are... Uh, about some of the less represented groups. Yeah. Um, you know, like the prom, which involves, uh, uh, a relationship between two girls that want to go to their prom and also mm-hmm. have time, which is ageism is trying to blow ageism <laughs> up, yes. uh, which I love that as a former dancer. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, I just hope to see, you know, it come back full steam and yeah. continue to produce really, um, wonderful, uh, entities of entertainment and, um, progress to share different
1: kinds of stories. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, obviously, um, theater, um, isn't just about like Broadway New York and that type of thing, but I was going to say, I mean, I think it, it has to continue. It has to be picked up because New York is not New York without Broadway. It just like the tourism is not the same. It's, it, it, it completely changes the dynamic of the city. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm in New Jersey, so I'm like, I'm pretty close. <laughs> so like, I can feel it. I can feel the change. Um, so hopefully, that'll um, shift back into um, what New York was at one point. Um, I think, I think it will. I, am yeah.
3: very, I'm very optimistic. Yeah. You know, the last pandemic like this was a hundred years ago and it came yes. back from that. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I think, th- I think we can do it. And there's lots of um, production circling and, or those that were steadfastly already entrenched uh, on the boards on Broadway and they'll be back. I feel sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I must say the
2: last musical I saw on Broadway was actually The Prom. <gasps> what? Um, so I love that, that makes me so happy to um just to hear about your involvement with that. Um and also know that the last musical I saw on Broadway was such a smashing hit and such a joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, all the all the color and the dancing and the music and the story. Uh just the, the inclusivity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, uh, it was incredible show to watch so thank you so much for um bringing that story to life as well well i was
3: really thrilled to be a part of it it has a great lead producing team a phenomenal group of creators composer and book writers and lyricist choreographer director all of those people really uh and the cast of course Mm -hmm. uh really made that uh that production just spectacular in my mind it was kind of a good old-fashioned musical with a very modern message mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, super relevant but in a kind of a joyful way that resolves right. at the end which I think is wonderful and the film looks like it's going to be stunning I'm oh, so excited to watch I, that it's what I'm looking forward to this
1: winter I watched the trailer and I was like oh my god this is gonna be epic I mean just the cast alone obviously is like crazy incredible but like just the the trailer was like beautifully done so like colorful and vibrant and like intense Also, uh, it was. was
3: and the uh, sets what did you guys think of the sets those were all built sets the, incredible yeah. wow
1: yeah i i was so impressed i'm so excited i obviously didn't uh, i didn't get to see the prom because i was in austin and then like just um i mean i was just in austin a hold up <laughs> for um all of the uh beginning of this year um and well it'll be back I, you <laughs> know back. what there's the I, tour
3: getting ready to go out and who knows maybe it'll exactly. be back on broadway before oh know i
1: it.
2: hope so i would see that show again in a heartbeat and just that type of show and with you know all of the i like to call it like all the glam of this show <laughs> and just how it's very um, unapologetically itself and mm-hmm. the just interesting characters and, uh, and the dancing. I'm always a sucker for a nice a dancing musical. Uh, <laughs> it would be an absolute dream to be in a show like that. So I really do hope it comes back.
3: I loved the dancing in that show. I loved the choreography. I thought it was very inventive, very mm-hmm. um, on point for high school students and uh, had mm-hmm. the energy of the times. Mm-hmm. So I was um, I-, I was really thrilled about that. I don't think he, uh, t- I think he, Casey Nicholas should have gotten a nod from the, the Tony committee on for choreography. But I do would... too. I, <laughs> I am such would... a fan. <laughs> I know. And you know, the, the dancers will tell you that it was incredibly complex. And if you, he, I had, I've had a couple of classes where some of that choreo was taught. One of the Uh, cast members happened to be in Austin in between its preview and Broadway production, Mm. and she came to University of Texas and taught some choreography from that, and it was very intricate. I was like, wow. Uh, I
2: have tried to teach myself some of the choreography from just YouTube videos, and it
3: is it
2: is not an easy breeze, that's for no, sure. No,
3: but it, it, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But, so hopefully um, we'll be seeing that on the boards somewhere in the country, if yes. not in New York. So I, yes. I'm excited about that. I have not seen the film, of course, mm-hmm. but
1: I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I will be there when it gets, um, <laughs> when it's touring. <laughs> Mark my oh, words. Fantastic. <laughs> um, just back on the topic of sort of like the pandemic and staying connected um, just in general, how have you been um, keeping connected with, you know, the outside world? Like, obviously we're trying to stay in as much as possible, but.
3: Well, you know, probably like most people, mm-hmm. I, I have gone on location for a couple of shoots, mm-hmm. but we do follow all of the uh, prescribed protocols and mm-hmm. keep the crew to a minimum. So I'm getting out that way. You know, the teaching is all remote. So I actually will never have met any of the students in my class. Right. And, uh, you know, Broadway, there's not a whole lot going on. That's all remote. But, you know, we have, um, in my own personal life, just groups of people that, you know, are all um, healthy and uh, mm-hmm. they don't have any COVID exposure. So you can sort of build a small group that you actually see totally. live and in person. Yes. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. A bubble. Um, Mm-hmm. Because you know it's the uh, the va- the uh, virus is doing very well and thriving in Texas. Oh yes, oh, <laughs> yeah. which is I, unfortunate.
1: I can't say I'm not. I, I can't say I'm not glad to uh, be in New Jersey right now and not in Texas.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know I'm yeah. not sure what's what's fueling that, but. Um, I you know I don't know I think it's very hard for the students to not engage
1: with one another. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I have said this a couple times, but I am definitely glad that I mean in some because of the pandemic, the current situation. I'm glad that I'm not a student anymore, having to deal with online learning and just the distance. I think and, it's hard for them. It's yeah. hard
3: for them. You know, it's, some of our guests um, speakers have said that they're really proud of the kids for um, powering through this time and not just rejecting what's available to them yeah. because even though it's not ideal, it's still pretty interesting. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, that's, I've just tried to take advantage of the fact that everybody's remote and, um, I can have guest speakers from all over the
1: world. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I never thought about that until you said that. And obviously that's like an obvious, uh, uh circumstance, but that, 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 that's such a benefit. Like, you can have anyone from anywhere. That's right, it, if
3: they're willing to do it. <laughs> well, yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, but we've had some
1: some phenomenal people on
3: uh, in class, and uh, these are folks that I I would never be able to um, have mm. if it and, if it weren't uh, remote. And the fact that they actually have a little more availability in their calendar, <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> so, uh, right, um, so much is not is not happening. But right, mm-hmm. um, it will
1: exactly. Um, I was going to ask what, I mean, you've, uh, you've touched on this a little bit, but what are some other projects if you, obviously, um, if you can say what you've been working on um, during um, the pandemic, what's coming up next, that type of thing? Well, I am working on, um, for a new media company in Austin, Texas,
3: that mm. is producing some um, third party content, which I am helming. So right mm. now I'm working on a show called Life Unscripted with Meredith Walker. Oh. And uh, Meredith Walker is a one of the co-founders of Amy Poehler's Smart Girls. Yeah, she so came she, into the class. She did. She came and she had, um, early in her career, she was a producer for Linda Ellaby and Nick News yeah. in, its, um, in its, its original series. I know it's just come back, but this is mm-hmm. some years ago. And then she was uh, head, of, head of talent for Saturday Night Live oh, for yeah. some years as well. And we are interviewing right now women who have lived their life and sculpted their own pathway um, to it, the life unscripted. So not things that are normally thought of for them or what their kind of foundational circle had scripted for their lives. And they have gone on to do really cool and amazing things. And so we are interviewing these women and it's going to be sort of a, I guess, earthy, organic interview show. We Mm. do it on location where these women are. We were just up in Houston and interviewed Fashion designer Chloe Dow. Wow. She's Mm -hmm. a Vietnamese uh, of Vietnamese origins and uh, a really phenomenal uh, line of clothing, just beautiful. And then we interviewed uh, Anita Jasignani, who has a restaurant Pondicherry, sort of a a new take on Indian cuisine, fantastic, just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. We are interviewing Emily Ramshaw, who is the founder of the 19th News Organization. Wow. That name comes from the 19th Amendment, which, of course, gave women the right to vote. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. also we're interviewing Kathy Valentine, who's one of the original Go-Go's. Oh, my God. And uh, uh, recently written a book. And then we have a whole, um, you know, long list of other really interesting women uh, around the country. Right now we're sort of focusing on women with Texas roots. Mm. And uh, so I'm the producer for that show.
1: What? That sounds incredible. I'm, like, such a sucker for talk shows, so <laughs> I will be tuning in.
3: Yeah, this is kind of a, like, Anthony Bourdain-style kind of show. I, so we do I Walk and that. Talk, and um, and she's she's an amazing uh, journalist, Meredith, and this, just his having these phenomenal interviews with these women, and they talk about how they uh, built their lives, uh, that, you know, from coming from their kind of their their passion, yeah, as opposed to to what their it, you know it appeared would be their their pathway, they exactly. did something different, and uh, how they did that and why they did that. So I think there it's a super interesting group of women that were that we're interviewing.
1: That is so exciting. I love that. I love that. It is
3: exciting, and I also work for the media company. I write all of their copy. Mm. I helm some other series that they're producing. Um, Yeah, so it's uh, super busy. Yes, I was going to say,
1: that sounds like a very full plate. It is. (laughs) Oh, God. It is, but it's great. I love it. I love it. I love that. Um, Okay, so I have one final sort of two-part question, Um, and we've we've asked all of our guests this. It's what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young person artist or person trying to break into the theater industry. And I guess you could take it further with um, any advice on the topic of today, networking and making connections and that type of thing.
3: My advice is something that I say a lot. I used to say it a little bit more, I think in my, when I was teaching uh, dance and choreography is to hold yourself to the standard to which you aspire, Mm -hmm. which means Mm. finding out, what it is you think you want to do, observing that and trying to get there, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a dancer or a producer, um, that's how, that is how you get there. Step-by-step, step. trying to get to yourself, yourself to that level of execution. Yeah. And I think part of that is, uh, you have to show up, right? You yes. have to show up in a, in a community, um, finding ways to engage in that way and be prepared when you engage. One of the things that I both you, Samantha and uh, Charlotte, remember in my class is that you have to research the people that are coming to class and you have to compose questions. Well, the reason for that is so that you're prepared to have a meaningful um, engagement with them. And Mm -hmm. so whenever it's funny because one of the students came back to me just recently and she was saying how she was starting to interview and engage with people for uh, first steps on taking a job and how she felt like she was really prepared for that. And she realized it was because of the class, Mm -hmm. because she had uh, we have people coming in. You have to read about them. You have to understand the the context and topic of their industry. And their yes. business. Mm-hmm. And so when you engage with them, you're really able to make a, a, a stronger connection, maybe even impress them. Yes. And, um, if anything, you don't know how that engagement will come around full circle. It might be in a week, yeah. it might be, never, it might be in five years. Yeah. But, um, I, so that, if that's helpful, that's my advice. Find I, out what it is you want to do, hold yourself to that standard and engage. And
1: when you do engage, be prepared for it. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that student. I, I, I mean, I was sort of doing that before with interviews where I would make sure that I had come prepared with like some amount of questions, but not to the extent, um, that I did after having your class because, uh, taking your class because there's a real amount of research that needs to go in to, um, preparing to, uh, to ask meaningful questions, not just exactly. like surface questions.
3: Well, I mean, the, which is always the beginning of the semester or the initial, it can't be just yeah. a sort of a comparative superlative, like what was the most challenging thing? What was yeah. it, your favorite, you know, that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, and I'd also, d- it doesn't show that you have any sort of knowledge about um, this person. So you want to dive deeper into their background. So you can say when you worked on this project and you had, you know, this problem come up, we have, um, Usually Marissa Seacrest, who's a live theatrical rep for Paramount Pictures, mm-hmm. is our first oh, yeah. um, uh, lecturer, and she's one of the um, co-producers on Mean Girls Broadway. Yeah, and you know, so to ask her about how did you adapt Mean Girls from the film to update it so that it was more resonant and relevant for what might happen in a high school now, so that's yeah. that's a better question yeah. than what was the most challenging thing about producing that show, right? So that I just try to take ha- have the students take it to that next step.
1: Yeah, and I think that fosters an actual, again, a connection with someone because um, they'll be impressed with you, like you said, or they'll remember that you asked them a, a meaningful question that they actually, they really had to think about and um,
0: answer in, a, again, like a meaningful way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you also made us, think about also like what we wanted asked to and what we wrote down. Because I remember like, and Charlotte, maybe you went through this too. Natasha, you wrote down notes of like mm-hmm. what to keep in mind um, for the next assignment or for the following week when an- another person comes in. Okay, what to think about with this. Um, what type of terminology do you want to use? So I personally want to thank you for that because that really helped me on um, really going into depth of what kind of questions, not just about the person, but about the industry and hear their perspectives on that.
3: Well, I think you're right, Samantha. And, I, you know, also the part of the purpose is for the students to kind of uh, mine for information that will enlighten them to potential pathways for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you can't really know with little knowledge very well if that's something you want to pursue. So I think the more information you have, the better you can make those kinds of decisions and put your efforts and um, studies towards jobs and industries that you think are going to be really fulfilling for you, which is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much really interesting work in, um, um, in
1: the entertainment industry. Absolutely. I, I was going to say, um, I forgot before. I was going to say, in that class, I learned so much about, like, other avenues of theater that I literally had no idea about. Um, like, I, I I can't remember his name, but he came in, um, and he basically was talking about um, his company that had a lot to do with, like, a new interactive theater.
3: Yeah. Yes. And yes, I, it's a base hologram. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, I I was like, I had no idea that this was, like, even happening, um and it, the the world of theater is ever expanding and like it is and i think that the things
3: that are considered um you know entities out in the entertainment sphere uh we also had one of the the key figures involved in super blue which mm-hmm. is immersive experiential art super cool look it up <laughs> mm-hmm. um, look, their websites are amazing And uh, also you were talking about the hologram, which is uh, building holograms of artists, Mm -hmm. uh, some that have passed and some that are living and how you can create these live theatrical experiences around that hologram. And people that didn't get to um, experience a particular performer while they were alive can get a chance to see their work um, now. And or uh, artists have another way of, I guess, capitalizing on their brand and their music or whatever their kind of performances and build shows so that they don't always have to be present. And they're very resonant. I mean, we, he showed us the technology and they were, wow. I mean, they really do look real. Yes. <laughs> they don't pitch him as real. I mean, you know that you're seeing it's a recording, but the yes. rest of it's live. Everybody else is live. Oh my god, the, the dancers and the orchestra and all of that, those are all live. It's just that the, the key artist yeah. may not be. But yeah. still, very very cool. So there's lots of jobs that are emerging that we don't even know about yet, mm-hmm. and that students exactly. even know about yet. So I, you know, I teach in the the School of Design and Creative Technologies, and I I love the department for the fact that they're so uh, future forward, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah. into the kinds of things that are going to be out there for
1: young people to engage in um, professionally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I would say that's another thing that like people should keep in mind, like theater on uh, from the outside really looks like just like singing and dancing and acting, but like diving deep into what the, the the giant huge possibilities of the careers that are out there um, is you can go on forever looking into it. So I would say, don't just stop at the surface and say, I can only be an actor or a performer, whatever, which is if you want to do that, that's great. But dive in deeper because there's so many different possibilities and so many different avenues you could go down just in the there world really of theater. Are.
3: And there's more people backstage than on stage. We mm-hmm. had a, oh, um, yeah. I've been adding a little thing to my class where I, I have young professionals coming in that are working in the entertainment industry. And this past week we had a, a UT grad who's in London and she's mm-hmm. been working on as a, she was went to the business school and she's been working as a production accountant. She did Artemis Fowl, for Disney she did 1917 mm. Steven Spielberg's 1917 mm. and she's currently working on mission
1: Impossible. oh my goodness oh, and yeah. in the accounting
3: department but she wanted to be in a creative industry yeah there were there she, were a,
1: a lot of accountant um, accounting majors in my semesters
3: uh, yeah because they, they exactly because they want inter- to they want they want to um, they want their professional life to be in the creative industry
0: but exactly. on the financial side yeah I remember her coming into class actually, and this was this was this past spring too when we had yes, to transition. she did. She she did. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. When she when we had to transition into Zoom. Oh wow wow thank you for bringing that back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she she just she didn't graduate that long ago. And, yeah, uh, it was a- very recent. Mm-hmm. And so I've been, I've been bringing a few more young, uh, early stage professionals coming in because I think that's relevant too. you know, how, yeah. how did they get that job, even though they mm-hmm. were just starting out as well as the seasoned, um, professionals.
1: Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, I could go on talking to you forever and I wish I could, <laughs> but, um, we've alas, covered a lot. We've we covered have, a lot. we have, I'm very excited for everything that's going on in your future. Um, like we were talking about, obviously, um, we're very optimistic about theater making a great comeback um, and the prom coming back. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. I, I'm so thankful that I um, have stayed connected with you um, after taking your class. And um, I'm sure Samantha is as well. Um, oh, Yeah. And again, thank you so much. Yeah, we're so grateful. You.
3: So it was lovely speaking with all of you tonight. I'm really proud of you for doing the podcast. Good for you. Yes. And, um, I hope to, um, see you continue to do great things out there in the world. And, uh, now that we're colleagues. Yes. <laughs> <opposed to> teach... <laughs> exactly. Well, we're colleagues. well, this is, this is great. And, um, I think it's really exciting. I, I love the idea behind your podcast and I think there'll be a lot of great people that'll want to uh, engage with you.
1: Thank you we so much. So. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah. Oh, you're welcome.
2: Act three: questions and answers. It is time once again for us to answer the questions you've submitted. So, thank you to those who have. Uh, as just a reminder. Whatever questions you're kind of wondering about, not sure about, feel free to send them in and we will keep answering them just as we're about to do now. Mm -hmm. So the first question we have this week is, is it appropriate to use professors as a resource for networking with big industry professionals?
1: What do y'all have to say Um, about that? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Literally, I had this written down in my notes before I even saw that question, and I was like, obviously, like, for people like me who are now out of college, like, this may not apply, Um, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm recently out of college, and I can still contact professors that I had relationships with. Use those things to your advantage. Like, Samantha and I have, like, obviously, Natasha was our professor, and, like, we... Um, I I am a BPN intern because of Natasha um, but I also have a relationship with her outside of just career advancement and that type of thing but absolutely use your professors as a resource because they're not just there to teach you they're there to like help you in any way that they can and they are like your bridge to the outside world of like professionals in their
0: field Yeah, and something also that has personally for me that has been so helpful with um, having professors there um, as resources is that a lot of the time specifically for, I know for my college, but hopefully uh, for other colleges and departments, um, they do this um, and if not just hit us up. (laughs) We also get sent out like from different, from different professors and even advisors saying, hey, there's this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Email me back. Let us know if you're interested and we'll try to um, connect you with the people who are running this event that I just emailed out and so forth. So that's always helpful. And also, like, it's kind of awkward sometimes to just go into office hours and like have nothing prepared in a way, or what do I ask that? I I I remember hearing a lot like what do I ask them um, from other from other colleagues and other friends? And honestly, like just they they literally just say like go in, and yeah. that's a lot to take in though because you could just go in ask them a question. And you're like oh I wanted to use that hour with you, um, but just going in just telling them hey. Um, this is how it's going like with the semester or just with school or with the class. And eventually something might come up in your meeting where it can just build an hour long conversation or even more. Um, prof- professors should be there for y'all. Mm-hmm. So they are just an amazing resource to have. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm also here through an alumni network um, it's yeah. just tagging back to making those connections and utilizing them. You know, your schools are there for you to use as resources, um, both professors and alumni wise. And yeah, it's always so fascinating for me to hear who my professors know and who they've worked with, who they've come into contact with, um, and very much using them, um, as helpful sort of stepping stones to get into contact with other people that I want to talk to. Uh, especially in a time where Zoom calls are very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just last week, I was able to have a Zoom call with the actor Peter Kim um, because he has worked with some of my professors before. And so mm-hmm. being able to work with an actor whose uh, plays that he's he's been in that I've really loved reading about, and it's been fantastic. So yeah, definitely, I would 100% agree. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Our
2: second question is: How do you use connections that you've made with professionals? Maybe you've talked to them at an event or met them through mutual contacts to get your foot in the door of the
1: industry. Big. Question. So basically, this is like a general how do you network question, um, and I think that um, this is a a long conversation. But in general, like I would say the biggest piece of advice I have is um, make sure that you um, follow up. So um, even if it's like as insignificant as like, hey, I just met you at this event. Like that was really cool. Hope to talk to you later or whatever, or just like asking a simple question, make sure to follow up so that they – uh, know who you are they are uh thinking about you um and um yeah just like follow up with people make make sure that you are on their radar
0: mm-hmm. yeah and also like going back to the conversation about facebook there is no shame of just adding them on facebook and just letting them see what you post and letting them see Letting you see what they post too, because like again, that builds also what the interests are. So um you can follow back up on them on like certain things too. Um and when it comes to maybe like meeting them at a conference or meeting them at an event or having mutual uh contacts, you would also be surprised how like all the other people that your group also knows outside of just your group, Mm -hmm. the theater world is shockingly and surprisingly- So connected. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so connected. It's such a small world. Um, So you would just be surprised though, like when you meet someone or meet specific people, how many other people will know. And it just trickles down to that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but anywho, there's just no shame of like- adding them on social media too it's not just linkedin it's not just like oh hey like i might apply for i don't know like working with you one day and then that's it yeah keep in contact with them some ways yeah yeah follow yeah. their
2: socials see what they're doing what work they're doing
0: i think yeah. that's a
1: great way. i was gonna say also um one thing that you can do to stay in contact stay following up with them and having actual like conversations um well two things I would say one um you could I mean obviously this is not in person possible but I would say be like let's grab a coffee or let's do a zoom coffee um so that we can just like talk to each other and build a relationship and learn about each other's interests and lives and then another thing I would say if you want to go down the route of getting more specific information and advice do an informational interview but um make sure you're prepared for it (laughs) come with good questions come with relevant questions about their career with uh, about their industry um the things that you legitimately want to learn and make sure they're not like I don't know I mean you can ask general questions but try to make them as like specific as possible to show that you have done your research and that you're prepared, um, and actually interested. Um, but yeah, I, I, this summer I did like a bunch of informational interviews, um, and they're, they're hard and it's like really awkward to, um, keep in contact with and keep in contact with these people. It's hard to do. It's, it's, um, it's a struggle for sure. (laughs) So
2: yeah. And not abusing that ability to contact these people don't just use these sources as you know uh one door to something bigger like really be invested in whatever artist you're talking to in their work because they also will kind of sniff out whether you're using them to get to somebody else um yeah. and that's that's not cool like use them for the information they have and then maybe if yeah. they connect you with someone that's great um but definitely don't don't skirt the edges there
1: no, they're people. Yeah. don't treat them like I don't know, stepping stones
0: mm-hmm. and with with that with what y'all just said too,, um, remember who you worked with. Mm-hmm. you're gonna meet with a lot of people, and it can like taking note of like all the people that you worked with and what they helped you do and what you've helped them do can you can forget sometimes and that's totally okay, but make sure you remember who you've worked with, whether it's a big production or even just a reading, because you never know if, for instance, you're trying to look for a designer, uh, someone for the creative team, an actor, and you want, and you're looking for that certain person and you're like, wait a minute, I've worked with this person let me email them, text them, call them, whatever it may be, so that I can set an interview. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
1: agree with that. I definitely, um, and even like, um, I I would say one thing that you don't really hear often about networking, well, at least when you're like our age, like you're a younger person, um, and like very new and, and and. in an industry, in your career search is um, make sure that you keep in contact with people your own age. Like those yeah. people are obviously going to be really, um, you you want people your own age in your network. You want people on the same sort of um, playing field as you per se. Um, you don't always want people who well, obviously make as many connections as you can all, all the time um, or as many meaningful connections, but um, you don't always want them to be like only the head honcho or like the big higher up person or like the producer or whatever. Obviously make those connections, but you also want the people who are like you um, to kind of give you advice and help you out and do whatever. Just like you want to make connections with However many people you want um, and can, but don't forget about the people who are, like, in your immediate circle and not necessarily those that are, like, out of your um, sort of plane. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Anything else? I I find it incredibly hard. And obviously, like, it. everyone always says networking is, like, one of the most important things you can do when trying to um, – start your career and sustain your career. Um, But it's also like one of the hardest things to do. And um, so we get it. We're struggling out there with you and um, just push forward. You can do this.
0: (laughs) I do have one more thing to say. Great point. Um, I remember my freshman year of college. I got advice from a professor. He said this during lecture, and he said, uh, it it was a lot to take in. So for viewers, for listeners, um, it may sound overwhelming in a way. Um, but these next like, not just four, like eight years, 10 years, whatever it may be, are very important because yes, you're you're building your network, your connectivity, but also you're building your dream team. And you would be surprised who would end up in your dream team at the end of, I don't know how many years down the road. And you, he, I remember he said, you think that you have it right now, wait. And we were like, oh, thanks, <laughs> cool. But um, it's true, and I and I've I've had that stuck with me. So I'm I'm not in the pursuit of like finding and like labeling and even categorizing like what my dream team is gonna be. But just know like you're gonna have like a specific group of people that you're always gonna be in contact with, with like working wise, business wise, and within your personal life. Hopefully, um, in a very positive way, both, both areas. Um, So yeah, that, that was a little something that I wanted to get from a professor who said that to me almost four years ago.
2: Yeah. I have a kind of fun, quick networking story. It is not necessarily networking to further a career acting wise, but just in a theater enthusiast wise. A couple summers ago when I was uh, working, interning, acting with the Potomac theater project in New York city, we were stationed at the Atlantic stage two, which is the smaller off, off Broadway theater of the Atlantic stage. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I was doing ushering and sort of of front of house management for one of the shows that summer season. And one of the gals that I was working with for the box office she happened to also be an usher for the Atlantic stage, um, Uptown. And this was the time that Secret Life of Bees was playing. And I really wanted to see that show. Um, but there were only very few performances that didn't conflict with my performances with PTP. Um, but I just happened to mention it in passing in one of our conversations together. And she said, oh, I think we actually need somebody else to hand out programs at the matinee tomorrow uh would you be available Mm -hmm. i said of course because uh when you volunteer to hand out the programs if there's an extra seat you get to watch your show for free so i got to go do that and i got to see secret life of bees which was sold out um and that was just a great sort of opportunity kind of networking wise just you know who you talk to and those connections you make so not necessarily on an acting wise but just got to see a great piece of theater which i do hope Makes a comeback when Broadway makes a comeback. I would love to see that on Broadway. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed there. But yeah, we love networking.
1: Love it. Also hate it. But love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that will do it. Yeah. yeah? That's it mm-hmm. for today. That's it for this episode. Thank you again to Natasha for um, taking the time to talk to us. Um, and um, if you haven't
2: listened to our other episodes... Definitely do that. Do it. We have a few out. Uh, get caught up on your listening views. Mm-hmm. And follow us at VPN interns on Instagram if you haven't already as well.
1: Absolutely. And make sure to awesome. ask us any of the questions that you have in our, um, in our questions forum that's also linked on our BPN page and our Instagram page. And um, that's it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Have a great day.
0: Everything. More episodes, more episodes to come, more resources to come, more interviews and more Q A's. So, get excited, get ready. <laughs> bye, oh, bye.